Hello everyone, welcome to Word with Dave Clay. Viva la resistance. <laughs> you can tell I'm not French. And I would not want to in any way, shape, or form offend anyone who is of that national persuasion. As much, I studied French, that should go to my credit a bit, as opposed to Spanish in school uh, when it came to my foreign language electives uh, back in the day. But the idea of me being able to say it or actually capturing the nuance of how to speak it, we didn't have all those great apps back then. And I must confess, I've not gone back to that and tried to get any better, clean any of that up. But that is a common phrase, (laughs) at least it used to be something that we would uh, use maybe more commonly when it came to not only understanding the French Revolution, viva la resistance, resistance, I can't again get it right, but not only when it came to the French Revolution, but when it came to anything that seemingly needed to be overturned, changed. And uh, we began to put together a a campaign, that may is a French word too, to such an extent or degree as to want to then rally the troops or get everybody's mind in one accord and we're going to take on, push against, fight against the machine, uh, try to change things. Resistance was maybe as much an attack, maybe Viva La Resistance is also kind of that notion that when you can't really just go out and beat it up or beat it into submission or make it whatever way you'd like it to be, and we're using war terms here because it's, it's the context of the conversation on today's podcast, at least when it comes to uh, French Revolution and many of these movements historically to date, uh, you just can't go out and beat people into submission. It doesn't work. Usually you're going to get some resistance. If you're resisting, if you can't do that, then resisting seems to be the right thing. But in that, there's still a tug of war and you can push back and forth and there's no real common ground and there's not that ability to negotiate that to the point of finding answers. Psychology Today. March, April of 2023, Leon Seltzer, Ph.D., support a defense to dismantle a defense. I found that compassionately understanding and supporting a client's self-protective defenses paradoxically makes them feel that those defenses are less necessary. Such defenses, mostly involving avoidance and disassociation, began as adaptive strategies to combat caretakers' conditional acceptance of them to feel more secure in the family constellation. Justifying the adaptive strategies has a healthy influence. I get it. That's somewhat affirming for me, validating, because I have come to that same conclusion. 
I do not want to be perceived as the enemy. I do not want this to be a competitive or combative situation. I do not want it to be a war. I do not want it to be framed within war terms. I don't want to necessarily be the machine that somebody feels like they have to push back against. I do not want to feel that I either have any resistance or that the person that I'm working with, even if we know it is important to not resist the process, why would I want to create a barrier by engendering defenses? A lot of times, many times, maybe most times that I do couples counseling, there's always a stage where neither of them know me, which is probably always best for couples counseling in that I'm not biased or prejudiced toward one or the other before the other, whichever one that might be, would get in to see me. Uh, seeing them both at the same time, they don't know me. And they want to make sure that they're heard and understood and that I get the full picture. And I do that. I try to pace it, but I have to begin with someone. And someone usually initiates. And unfortunately, it's at that point, it's a bit preemptive, I have to confess. But I balance that out. But people are always very sensitive to my not taking sides. After all, that's probably what led them to my office is that most of the venues, the forums in which they've presented their circumstance, either to each other, to maybe others that they're seeking advice from, maybe they've gotten that support because they're your friend and they're going to tell you what you want to hear, they're your friend and they're going to always support you. But if it's a neutral party... Even then, it's very difficult to make sure that it stays balanced. And truth is, all couples counseling has that dimension. Both parties have problems, if not the shared common problem of miscommunication, this very thing we're talking about. In their passion, their fervor, as they go a little deeper into it, further along, farther along in uh, their discussions or as time goes lapses it goes uh, a little bit further in terms of time they get into such posturing that they become what might have been just an innocent sort of conversation a little bit of a, of a disagreement on the front end becomes a major all-in-out war by the time they get to the end of it because the other party is not doing anything but engendering resistance. Mutually so. That's their problem. Most are very smart. I do believe there's a lot of truth to be said to, or at least for the fact, that people are attracted to people of similar intelligence and even somewhat similar life experience and psychosocial, socialization, uh, sort of environmental growing up in same kind of cultural, economic, socioeconomic dimensions. So there's really no reason that they can't get the other person's perspective, except they have fallen into the trap of not disengaging the defenses. I will be agreeable 
and it's usually not necessarily agreeable with whatever it is that may need to be changed, I will say, we probably need to study that a bit, but I'll be quite agreeable that they have every right to an opinion, and they have every right to be compassionate, or passionate, not compassionate, but very passionate about their opinion, but they should be compassionate first. They should get their side quite well. They should get to the place of trying to disengage the resistance, not by overwhelming the other individual, dominating, or even as much as it may not be physical, uh, there's psychological warfare, but even if you want to do that out of an intellectual, rationalization sort of approach, it will work. People will get defensive. So I validate their feelings. I don't agree that what they're feeling is actually true. We have to test that again. But I know, though, that they're not going to trust me to test it until they trust me to also know what they're feeling and why they've come to that conclusion. But generally speaking, if you do that, it's not agreeing with the end that they're right is just agreeing with their right, and they are never wrong in having their own feelings. The subjective can't be dismissed entirely because it's everything. You are a person, and in, again, this context of couples counseling, it doesn't have to just be that way, though. It could just be an individual that comes to see me to receive some help or assistance. I could end up doing what all their friends might have ended up doing, telling them that they're wrong. Or if they told them that they were right, they told them they were right, and then ended up not really helping. I need to be objective, but I need to be compassionate. I need to practice empathy. I need to understand their perspective. To disengage the resistance. And if I can do that in the proper way... And I'm given a lot of leeway, permission to offer alternatives. I'm not telling them that they're wrong then. I'm telling them maybe there's a better right. There's something a little bit better. Or I'm suggesting they're entirely right in their perspective, but they may need to see it from a different perspective. And maybe the different perspective is in their house, even though they come from similar socioeconomic backgrounds, similar cultural backgrounds, similar processes, a psychosocial sort of socialization, uh, learning, becoming part of a family. Maybe they're family constellations. That, That usually is what happens. Divorced people connect with divorced people. But using that as an example, not that that is a bad thing, unmarried people connect with coming from unmarried family. Divorce, coming from a divorced family, unmarried families, they don't practice. Maybe put the same emphasis, importance, significance on marriage. But I'm not saying marriage is the answer either or solution to everything. I'm just saying that though they come from that situation, they may not know what might be to somebody else's measure why they've chosen marriage. Or even if they never get married, maybe there's something that sort of implicitly kind of went along with that. I'll give you an example. Don't give up on me. Don't give up on the relationship. Don't give up on each other too soon. You're going to have to figure it out anyhow if this is true that you tend to be attracted to people who think the same way you do. Even so, somewhere in it, 
the two of you need to sort it out and somebody may have a glimmer of hope and found in an insight, a glimmer of an insight that brings hope that can begin to, in some sort of empirical way, as with study, the two could work together if they could just articulate it differently, better, possibly once more, more objectively, a platform, a circumstance, a forum, again, where there can be objectivity, where both are permitted to be subjective, at least initially, and we can get to a safe place, create a safe place where they can feel comfortable. We're not trying to invalidate them or say they're wrong either side. We just need to continue the dialogue. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. That's how you change. That's how you develop. That's how you see things differently. And maybe I could offer a different way of saying, pointing out what they're after, help them to say what they're really after. Getting back to that idea of divorce. Maybe whatever it was that led to divorce that now has convinced you marriage is something you want to stay as far away from as possible. But marriage is just a promise not to give up. But at least let's maintain the promise of not giving up. Too soon. You can. You can quit the relationship and go to another one. But if you do, you're going to carry whatever it is with you that created a problem that may have been legacy from that socialization, learning, childhood, experience, into adulthood. And you're going to get to that same point. Well, I've been here before. I've maybe not seen it in quite the same way. Maybe I was third party. Now I'm primary. In the middle of it, it was my mom and dad or my partner and partner or significant other and significant other that could not get along and gave up and we just had to go separate ways and then all the things that I had to, as with the patient's perspective, contend with. Uh, I'm at that threshold and I'm feeling those same feelings and they're overwhelming and I feel lost and I don't know what to do and I feel somewhat triggered and I'm very defensive already and the walls are up and the defenses are up and I feel like there's resistance and more so even out and out conflict and I'm in this battle and this war. Viva la resistance. That needs to change. If you don't change that in you, you're going to take it with you wherever you go. And your next relationship is not only going to be contaminated by your first brush with that, as in maybe the primary source, socialization, uh, partner and partner, mom and dad, whatever terms they chose to use to describe it, and you were the third party, now you're primary, you're just going to be reinforced in that same sort of way and take that to the next one. Don't give up until you do something more than engender defensiveness out of fight or flight, reactive sort of thinking, desperation. And we are talking about love here. (laughs) Love is... I don't know. I would put in the category of primary drive. So if I put it in the category of primary drive, what that means from my theoretical orientation is it's as essential as eating and sleeping is to life. You could argue that. You could argue what love is. Maybe it is in some ways all the primary needs put together. But we tend to see that as with in context of at least one other, maybe multiple other persons in that way of 
helping each other, sharing, supporting, certainly not fighting with each other. But if you don't learn how to correct that and you give up, you're going to replicate that. That's why you're sitting in my office, both parties. But don't give up on it. Marriage is a promise not to give up. So don't give married. Just don't give up on it too prematurely, too quickly. And realize if you don't solve it here, you're going to solve it somewhere else. And if it takes several other somewhere else's or someone else's along the way, serial <laughs> partners or partnerships, there's going to be additional casualties. Get the most out of what you have now and even should you decide to depart and irreconcilable differences and go your separate ways, at least you've gotten the best or the most before you've taken off. But fight or flight means you're going to kill it. That's the argument part of it. That's the defensiveness, the viva la resistance, the out-and-out battle and struggle and all that kind of warlike terminology that goes with that conceptualization. Or flight, you're just going to run away from it. And the article, albeit rather brief, it was speaking of disassociation. And in that, disassociation really is, it is a psychological defense. But it's just compartmentalization. It's running away. It's avoidance. That won't solve anything. So, once again, I'm using couples as the primary example in today's podcast or on today's podcast. But it happens with individuals. But I don't want to engender resistance. What I would like to do is I'd like to encourage, if it is a couple, do what I do with individuals. (laughs) Cut them some slack. Show show them some love. Uh, It's okay. It's not going to kill you unless you bring it to that level. It's seemingly threatening, and maybe you could make a case for that, that coming from broken homes or too dysfunctional of a home, maybe even abusive sort of homes, growing up, socialization, learning. It's so triggering because it's got a a bit of a trauma dimension, and uh, all of that floods back in, that it seems like it doesn't. Just let's slow down. Let's understand we, all of us, the two of you and me, are responsible for showing a bit of compassion. Let's allow the higher cortical functions, the more rational and reasoned, to predominate. Let's at least validate each other's feelings and rights to those feelings so that we can dispense with the resistance. It's not viva la resistance. It's also not Long live giving in. (laughs) To, I think, understand some of the meanings of French words. Like viva. But it is saying, but if we're going to solve this, we can't be at war with each other. If we're going to find middle ground, you can't be so polarized. (laughs) You can't be so postured into this dichotomous binary sort of one against the other, and then both sides seeing their position as right and the other, you cannot, as wrong, you cannot negotiate that. So I want to be your friend. I want to be your ally. And I would want you to trust me enough to let the defenses down so that I can then turn off or assist you in turning off the fight or flight 
And getting into the more rational mode, working through the defensiveness, the feelings that prompt the fight or flight, kill it or run from it, sort of defensiveness that preempts you, creates the resistance, that creates the barrier, that puts up the wall, so that we can get in the same common space that's safe and we can turn on the rational and the reasoned and we can apply logic and good sound <laughs> study, offer thesis, hypothesis, do a bit of testing, make some modifications, continue the feedback loop, help you to grow. Maybe you'll salvage your relate. Maybe you'll, you'll not go backwards. I do think that there's a bit of regression that always goes along with that sort of a milestone or at least the approach of, of a chance, an opportunity to take another step forward to establish another milestone in a developmental growth-oriented sort of framework. We'd say, yeah, the stakes are high because you're about to go to the next level. The situation, circumstances brought you to a point where you can move it a little bit more forward, go a bit again farther, further without digression or regression, or you're going to regress. You're going to go backwards. And many divorce situations, going back to that example, people do that. They will kind of regress. They'll not only not go forward, but in their retreat or in their anger or maybe in the result of too much of the avoidance, disassociation, or out-and-out confrontation and aggression, (laughs) the passive or the aggressive dynamic, or passive-aggressive dynamic, they failed to be assertive, they failed to work on it proactively, they'll go backwards and it'll even be worse than what they had. And it will almost then add to the likelihood they're going to not only have to learn it at some point in the future, but they may have to kind of cover some ground that they've given up even or lost in that movement of regression. And certainly self-esteem is one of those things that we lose. Failure, feelings of failure doesn't do anything to feed confidence, which doesn't do anything to help us to be able to face rightly our problems and move forward. We have to turn that off through safety, security, and we only find safety and security not only in the one-on-one counseling context, but if we're doing marital counseling where there's two individuals, we have to all three agree to not invalidate the other person to the extent that they're in fight-or-flight mode, be so critical, so threatening in our passion to be right in the furthering of that conflict. Start out as just a disagreement, but now it's become an all-in-all-out all all war. It's got into all of these feelings of love or rejection or abandonment, attachment, We need to at least try to create enough safety that we can begin to see each other for what we are and then sort it out together. Highest order, best that we can do, but whether it's as an individual or individuals in a couple's relationship, let's not go backwards. Let's not be regressive. The disease model suggests a progressive... (laughs) dimension, but it's always to the worst. 
or worse, worsening. You always get sicker. Don't let your life be diseased or fall into that model. Yes, there'll be struggles along the way. Yes, you'll bear some scars, possibly, from some things that have happened. Uh, There'll be things that (laughs) along the way that you might contract that might want to or could result in some significant, severe harm to you. But don't hurt yourself. And in that most elegant of ways, what you do with others... What even you do with the counseling situation with me really speaks volumes to what you're doing inside of yourself. And that's what I was trying to capture earlier on in the podcast is that if you don't understand how fight or flight can kill you and destroy you, if you don't move beyond that, if you don't work through that stage of defensiveness to a place where... You are okay with your right to your feelings and thoughts, though that may not be right as you're then addressing other people's feelings and thoughts. All that's going to happen is is you're going to continue on a physiological level. All that cortisol is bad for your body that comes from norepinephrine and adrenaline that drives the fight or flight response. We need to shut that down. But you can't hang out with people who are constantly triggering you or you're just going to get sick physiologically and then psychologically, self-esteem-wise, efficacy, confidence. You're not going to be approaching life in a very positive way. You're going to be running from things. You're going to be driven by, unfortunately, fight or flight. And you're going to be angry or afraid all the time. You're going to be anxious all the time. You're going to worry. It's, It's not good. So we just, once again, need to own that individually as much as we do when it comes to dealing with others. My job with individuals is to help them negotiate with themselves. They have to negotiate it with me. Hopefully I help to demonstrate example of that. But if it's a couple, then they need to begin to not only do it individually, but they need to be able to do that with the significant other, married, unmarried, partner, whatever way you would like to describe that. Whatever, uh, however you would like to describe that, whatever words you would choose to describe that. But resistance and fighting, it's diseased. Anger and fear is diseased. It's not that the body necessarily is wrong, but this is not in that way life or death. And if you're sitting in my office, there's still some hope that you can get back to that place of helping each other, supporting each other, meeting each other's needs, that love dimension as a primary drive. It's the most elegant, I think, expression of how we go about meeting each other's primary drives reciprocally. The foundation of that is simply reciprocity. But it can be taken to this most wonderful of levels, If you can trust the other person and understand, don't be triggered. Don't allow something, especially from your past, to get into your present. And keep growing together. Keep helping each other by reminding each other of that positive motive, regard, that intention, To not be diseased, but to be as healthy and adaptive as possible. That's a good message. I think that's what all psychological counseling should be about. Adaptability. What's healthy? 
what allows you to experience the best that you can or best that is available to you in life. And should that not even be something that is driven by your situation or circumstance in life, you can love you and you can love at least, I would hope, that other person. So I think the article is a wonderful one. Rapport is me having compassion, getting your perspective. I want to teach you how to do that with you. And then if we're doing couples work, or even if I don't have the other person, you're going to do that within a social context to love other people in that same sort of way or dimension. Because if you do that, then maybe there's much more to be said for relationships and social cohesion and the state of our culture and our society and that we're not warring against ourselves. We're not dividing in terms of families. We're providing safe and secure havens for people to grow and mature and to become all that they can be. And though the situations of life and circumstances of life never will be ideal and there will always be conflicts and there will always be disagreements and some will always do it better than others and some will always be more capable at times than others. There's just a lot of things that make it impossible for it all to be perfect in that sort of ideal way. But it can be perfect in the way that we can approach it and understand none of that should compromise our love for ourselves or love for other people or whatever it is that we come to define love to be as much as, again, an attitude. It is rapport. (laughs) Certainly love is not battles and fighting. If that's all that's going on, that's not love. It's There's something better. And it may just be procedural, or it may be in this sort of procedural way, or at least the way I've tried to make it seem sort of elemental and, and how it all kind of schematically, kind of the parts of all of you and the situation circumstances should rightly fit together. But if you can get that alignment in that way with the right attitude, then you may not have to leave the other person. You certainly don't have to harm the other person. It is better in that situation to walk away. But don't go through life angry or fearful your whole life. And don't let that be characteristic of any of your relationships. And if it is, then think about this then you're not really, there's something going on inside of you. You're not really then loving yourself as well as you should and would want to and work on that. And at the same time, you can work on it with others. But if you're being triggered all the time and you're not doing anything to turn that system off, your part, your responsibility, your accountability, you're being accountable in turning that off, accountability to turn that off, then we're not going to do anything. You're not going to come back and see me. A lot of individuals don't come back because they can't even endure me asking questions about what's wrong. The shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. It's just they feel like there's a magnifying glass. But you're coming to see me so that I can at least offer some opinion. But I never get to the looking at the nuts and bolts as I've been trying to describe it, the procedural, the how you put all the parts together, until I assure you or do everything I can to assure you, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to help you figure out how to do life better in that outward sort of way 
I say outward because it's a secondary. It's the result of loving yourself. It's the expression, outwardly, of you doing that well inside of you. And I know that feels painful and it could be shameful and you could feel guilty. And depending, once again, what you grew up with, whether that was something that was used to control you or in that just harm you when you were growing up and you were very vulnerable and innocent and your self-esteem was actually being formed and left you even more vulnerable, at risk. But we just need to slow it down and I'll try to, but come back. Don't give up on therapy. (laughs) Don't quit too soon there. So I agree with the article. Support a defense to dismantle a defense. Psychology Today, March, April 2023. And should you at least agree with our sort of taking a look at all these things and the way we do on the podcast, Word with Dave Clay, I want to invite you back to our next podcast. And I'm quite fond, I should say, of saying... I want to wish you the best. This is the intention of the podcast is wish you the best of health and good mental health. And should you want to reach out to me, you can email me at the wordhouse at frontier.com. You can call 304-523-9673 or word. Uh, and if not me, then somebody else to do the psychological counseling or at least to even find somebody to do the psychological counseling. Go to the Psychology Today directory of providers. A good group of people vetted by Psychology Today. And uh, I think you'll find, I know you'll find, credibility there. They'll do it well. In the meantime, though, uh, good health, good mental health. And I do sincerely want to invite you back to the next podcast. And I also want to just say thanks. I appreciate you joining me.